of Our Demise, the show that takes a loving and longing look at the harbingers of our own doom. I'm your host, Rich Strappolino, and joining me is the curmudgeon of capitalism, the Sisyphus of civility, and the demagogue of decorum, ladies and gentlemen, Ben Weinberg. Ben, welcome to the show. Thank you. You are feeling apocalyptic today. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I, you seem unusually buoyant today. Um, well, that itself must be a sign of the apocalypse. This is true. Uh, truly, you will be the shining star upon which our destruction lies. Uh, so why don't we get right into it? We have uh, a little segment we like to call Doom or Duh. You ready, Ben? Let's do it. This is where we give just kind of uh, headlines and we determine we need the hot take. Is this Doom or Meh? All right, Ben. A Chinese adaptation of Mad About You. Doom or duh. Doom, because usually we're importing cheap stuff from the Chinese. Well, but doesn't that say, doesn't it show that we still have some uh, um, cultural hegemony over, you know, uh, China that they want our imports? I mean, it used to be all of the uh, BBC shows would get imported over to uh, American uh, uh, television stations. So now we're, we're kind of doing the same thing. But it seems doesn't doesn't the choice of show seem weird because it's twenty years old and the fact that you know um, frumpy guy has unattainable wife and they have marital pratfalls seems so generic they wouldn't have to copy it literally how are the early nineties New York City tropes going to translate to China? Well, I'm assuming because it's uh, it's a like a take on it there is maybe some maybe Paul Reiser is like weirdly like Jerry Lewis is really popular in France maybe Paul Reiser is super popular. Uh, in China for some reason, and maybe by associating with that, they're glomming onto a brand. It does seem weird though that because I never watched the show uh, when it was on TV, so I had when I found this headline, I had to look up the Wikipedia, which is a really great way to get a feel for a show. Mm-hmm. And it did seem like okay, this is just kind of generic. Um, for uh, for a second there, I thought it was uh, what was the show. It was one of the first shows to prominently feature a gay main character. Uh, um, it was Dharma and Greg. Was that it? Uh, I don't know about that. Uh, Will and Grace would be the only Will thing I would think of. I was thinking it was something much more like culturally poignant, where it would be like a, a shifting point for you know Chinese culture that, oh, this is going to be on TV and the state is okay with this, but it turns out just a bland, seems like romantic comedy sitcom kind of deal. Yeah. Um, also, Mad About You was so... Um, Jewy in the in true Paul Reiser form. So you you, you take, hate me at Paul Reiser. Yes, if you take that away, there's nothing left to make that show special. And I don't think that's a big thing in China. What show do you think would have made a better transplant, or which show would you have wanted to see transplanted, even if it was ridiculous? Oh, uh, Boy Meets World, of course. <laughs> and I think we need to leave it there. Next up on Doom or Duh. The first test tube puppies uh, were born with uh, utilizing in, in vitro fertilization. Doom or duh? Doom, because from what I read, I'm not sure if this translates to humans. Well, the way the you know the same way they do research in mice and they can apply that to humans or something like I didn't read anything about how it's the same. Uh, you know, like there's that same sort of carryover. It so seemed, it seems like it's actually the reverse. Like we've we did it in humans, and we're like, all right, I guess we've gotten to a point now where it'd be affordable to do it on dogs. Yeah. So yeah, it seems uh, like I don't. W- was there a problem there? I <laughs> aren't you supposed well, to have your pet neutered, not 
making more puppies? Well, it, it does. I, I, I don't know. Again, like maybe there is some scientific uh, reason that this would be a, a big deal, but it does seem like the ultimate luxury. Like, oh, you know, my dog has a fertility problem. So thank God we got around that because my dog's life would be unfulfilled without it. Yeah, it does seem like something you'd see on the e-network or something where a debutante has an infertile puppy and they take to the clinic to get inseminated. <laughs> Next up on Doom or Duh, Amazon now offering one-hour booze delivery in New York City. Doom or Duh? Oh, that's a total doom. I mean, in New York City, how many bodegas are there on every corner? You can't run downstairs. I mean, you can't be more than three blocks from a bottle of booze at any time, and now they're going to bring it to your door because you're also lazy? It does serve the valuable shut-in alcoholic market that's been underserved for years in New York City. Next up on Doom or Duh, right. Disney's face director software that lets you digitally change facial expressions in real time. Doom or Duh? Is this what? How is this? Like, what kind of program is this in? Is this like in your built into your webcam or something? Yeah, it runs on top of like a video capture software or like software. So you're feeding a video directly into the computer. It's live, and then based on previously captured faces, it can you can change like someone who is not talking to either like a happy, sad, or a, a variety of facial expressions live while you're doing it. So you don't have to do an editing. And does it morph like it like it animates, or does it just like change, like flips it, over, it like an emoji? Like like it, it takes into account like what a smile would be, and then turns it into a frown. So it, it looks like it's a living thing. It's not just a still image. I need a doom or dub, Ben. Doom? Why, why? I don't understand. If you're doing this live, why can't you just make the face? <laughs> why do you have to have it previously captured and animated? It does it, well, I, what would make it creepier is I can imagine a situation where you're capturing live news. And you want to change what the, you know, the angle of the news is. So you go to a crouch out of a bunch of people like mad at a politician speaking and all of a sudden everyone thinks, you know, like I, I could see that being used to uh, not that Disney has any pretensions to uh, <laughs> to take over the news media or anything like that. But I could see it being problematic for live situations. That would be the only uh, use case I could see, too. Well, I could see a, a future where they capture everyone's face when they go to first animate them mm-hmm. and then. You have a Tupac, Frank Sinatra situation where years after they've died, they go back and insert them into a classic movie or they use them in a new movie. Uh, and we no longer need actors to be alive to capture their likeness. Well, I guess they could also do it in post. And then so if a background extra is like acting inappropriate for the scene, they could, you know, they already like capture a range of emotions for him and then can change it in post. But again, at that point, why aren't we just computer animating our background extras? Yeah, the only time that seems useful is if you have a Paul Walker situation where they die in the middle of a – or they storm off the set and yeah. you can't finish the movie with them. So I'm not exactly sure what that's intended use is, but uh, nevertheless, a scary piece of technology that seems unnecessary, you know I'm voting Doom. And final Doom or Duh, and let's see if we can go for a clean sweep here, 3D printing your Christmas gifts, Doom or Duh? Everything about this is Doom. So you have little Jewish children growing up and their next door neighbors are not only getting Xboxes for Christmas, but 3D printing them. (laughs) I don't know. You could 3D, you could 3D print a dreidel. Uh, You could uh, 3D print like a tie clip. Wouldn't that be an appropriate Hanukkah gift? Uh, I was going to say socks, but yes. You can't. I I think socks is kind of stretching the ability of a 3D printer. Uh, It has to be a hard non-porous surface. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I I don't think uh, uh, ABS plastic socks are healthy for anyone in any situation. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, you're probably right. All right, Ben, are you ready for a little apocalypse revisit? We got some stories that are coming back to us. First one here. A judge in New York granted a temporary injunction against DraftKings and FanDuel under investigation of illegal gambling, forcing them to shut their doors. However, an emergency appeal uh, ruling has allowed them to keep open at least until the end of the year. Any surprise here, Ben? I mean, I'm shocked that people with as deep a pockets as DraftKings and FanDuel haven't figured out a way to at least prevent the injunction. Now, obviously, they have the money to immediately get that appeal going and keep their doors open. But the fact that it even got to a point where they were basically forced to shut down for a couple hours even in, in an entire state seems shocking to me. Yeah, we said last time they are sneakily incorporated in such a way as to uh, skirt the definitions of illegality. So, yeah, how what we're, we were surprised that they even faced such scrutiny uh, in the first place, but uh, yeah, like we said, they'll be they'll have a legal argument to, uh, in at least form over substance, explain why they don't count as illegal gambling. So I'd be very surprised if they actually got shut down long term. Well, and actually, because the insider trading thing was interesting to me that you know they were they were leaking uh, or the employees had access to certain information and that they were making um, advantageous bets in their own favor with other uh, daily fantasy sites. That, to me, is a much more um, easily proven charge, I think. the that, that they're operating illegal gambling is actually undermined by the fact that, as we talked about a couple weeks ago, the vast majority of the profits go to a very small amount of people, and they consistently go to those people because it's they, they have figured out how to game the system. So I don't know if you it, like you can make the argument there that that's actually skill, but if that comes to light in any kind of hearings or trial or you know lawsuits or whatever, then I that really disincentivizes people to actually use FanDuel or DraftKings. So it's kind of a a little bit of a catch twenty two for the companies. Yeah, and so there's no gambling allowed in New York State, or what is? How it's are they different? It's just not sanctioned. Like they don't have any gaming license. They're not under any uh, regulation for gaming. They would have to go through. I'm sure they would have to pay. Go into a totally different tax structure. They would have to. I know pretty much every place in that. If you have casinos in your state, those casinos have to uh, give a certain amount of money to like Gamblers Anonymous or for gambling addiction recovery. So there's a whole big um, uh, structure, like government structure, that you have to go through if you're going to be gambling. Even I'm not even sure if since it's online and across state lines, that enters into a whole nother thing because I know they shut down all the online poker uh, Texas Hold'em sites a number of years oh, yeah. ago because it was like interstate gambling. They couldn't regulate it. Oh, yeah. So the site's position is that we're a game of skill. We're not gambling and therefore we're not subject to those your, those laws. That that's going to be their counter argument, but again, then if it's a game of skill, it kind of goes against a lot of the appeal of it because, you know, to be honest, I mean, most people don't have the like aren't skill, putting out yeah. mathematical tables to be able to determine who's the optimal picks and game the system like that. Yeah, I think uh, I, yeah, w- they're going to put a lot of money into a, uh, a very specific technical, wordy legal defense that probably has nothing to do with their actual operation. But uh, I don't think they will get shut down. I'd be very surprised because they're such a big organization. When was the last time you saw an organization of that dollar figure actually get shut down? So I'm sure they'll reach some settlement one way or another. Um, Yeah, there's no way I I feel like they would 
even even though it's only one state, I mean, it's a huge state, New York, you know, there's a lot of revenue there, I'm sure. And they don't want to lose that. So I, I doubt they'll be their operations will be disrupted uh, going forward, especially because they can basically, I'm sure, buy some political clout and are probably in the process of doing so with elections, uh, you know. Uh, As we speak, yes. Yes. Um, now, is the intrusion of FanDuel and, and DraftKings, has that gone into hockey, Ben? I know that's your sport of choice. There is. Um, I don't know anything about it. A game like hockey or really any of the other sports play so frequently that you have to spend so much of your every day uh, keeping up with it. It just seems like way too much work. So I don't really know exactly what it's about. But there are uh, there are people that do it and they give you – I don't know even know how it works in football. But they give you like a salary cap and you can have X number of players a day. Uh, and, yeah, it's uh, basically the, the same for all the sports. Okay. The same kind of operation. But – if the, if whatever ruling comes out of this, if they could just make it so that only like one of the five commercials between uh you know between periods or whatever is not a FanDuel commercial, I would I would just appreciate that. Yeah, that would be nice. I think I think society would be relieved if that was the only settlement. All right, Ben. Next up on the Apocalypse Revisited. We're uh, touching back on something we mentioned last week that the MST3K uh, Kickstarter has finished up. Oh yes, they broke records, gathering 5.7 million dollars in 30 days uh, from their fans to fund a full. Uh, they actually announced like two bonus episodes if they hit over 5.5 million, and so they're doing 14 episodes in total. And it seems like a pretty clear sign that there is some fan demand, I mean, a considerable amount of fan demand to bring this series back. So it'll be uh, interesting to see if, uh, you know, one of the cable networks or Netflix uh, tries to get them back on the air. Yeah, you would think at least um, once the episodes are made, they would get picked up somewhere, if not uh, renewed. Uh, But uh, because of the way this was funded, does that translate to the particulars of this show? Like, you know, a bunch of people gave a bunch of money, so they have this pot of money now. Whereas, like, you know, a networker or Amazon or Netflix, if they fund it in a different way, does that translate? Like, if it's so it's profitable through a Kickstarter, yeah, that, it would oh, still be I profitable. See I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Like, would, would it be feasible to for a network to pay the personnel that they've already brought on board, like, long term? That I don't know. It seems like. Again, Netflix will just or Amazon will just throw money. I mean, it, they have not been shy about getting big names for a lot of their projects and doing big prestige projects like, uh, you know, kind of taking the mantle a little bit from HBO in that regard. So I don't think like production costs or money would be a problem. I mean, the issue would be is if they can get enough uh, if they think they can do the numbers and see if it'll get enough subscribers to justify bringing it on board. But, uh, you know, it should be fun, uh, even if it's just, you know, 14 new episodes. I think that's uh, shows the power and democracy of the Internet. Yes. Now, do you have that slight fear that when a show returns after a long hiatus, even beloved shows often are never the same. You'll get um, Arrested Development. Now, of course, they couldn't get the cast all together, so maybe that's why. But even the show like Futurama, certainly Family Guy, were never as good when they came back. Do you do you worry about that? Because I worry like when something is so pure and brilliant, even to have it back, I worry if it's not the same standard, if that's just going to taint the whole thing. Well, the, since the main appeal of it 
isn't the like the story based elements like that's all the the set dressing that allows them to get to making fun of movies and when it gets to that there's no continuity to really worry about once they're in the theater and making fun of the movies they're just watching a bad movie and then spouting off snarky comments and so i think that's pretty evergreen i i see what you're saying though because you know, a lot of the creative tensions that made something great and like a lot of the debates, you know, uh, aren't, it's impossible to replicate that after a certain amount of time, especially after, you know, the what 15 years that the show has been off the air or whatnot. So a little bit of a worry, but be, the fact that they're bringing in a lot of new people, they're bringing in a lot of new blood. It's going to be its own thing. It's definitely not going to, it's going to look very different, I think. And the, the, um, the kind of the setups, I guess, for each episode will be substantially different. But once they get into the theater, as long as the the humor is there, uh, I, I don't think that's... And with the crew they brought on, it seems like it's it's going to be some good stuff. All right. Well, we will uh, revisit that when they, when they come out. All right, Ben, are you ready for a little apocalypse check? <laughs> yes, I am, Rich. All right, Ben. A CEO ruthlessly seeking profits regardless of the consequences? Not a sign of the end times. Yeah. That happens every day. The same CEO buying the only copy of an album from the Wu-Tang Clan? I think it's a bit more nebulous. Martin Schirelli? Is that... Do we have any confirmation? Whatever. The D-bag CEO that overcharged for AIDS medication uh, reportedly bought the Wu-Tang album for $2 million. Ben, was there any chance that an item of this exclusivity would be bought by anyone else but a total douchebag? Uh, that's a good point. No, you're right. The reason is, from what I read, he has no desire to listen to it. This is purely a trophy. Uh, he wanted to hobnob with other people who were possibly buying it. Mm-hmm. They had some brief listening party, and you could listen to like 10 minutes of it or something. He, he has no awareness of the Wu-Tang Clan. He will not protect the Wu-Tang secret. That's a thing, right? Yes. Oh, yes. Uh, so... He is doing this purely uh, to show off, to flaunt his wealth, to be a dick. Uh, he is, yes, total, total jerk. Well, yeah. I, I just saw there was a Gawker post uh, just this morning that I guess on a another investor call, he's basically doing the exact same thing that got him a lot of public scrutiny before where it's a medication for a third world disease that in America only affects like really, really poor people because of the conditions that they're like homeless people and basically he's buying it up and trying to corner the market on that and jack up the price for it as well. So even the, the purity of the Wu Tang could not turn him from his evil ways. But I I guess it brings into the question of, um, you know, a lot, a lot of people are, are, you know, saying he's the sign of, you know, what's wrong with, uh, you know, our society or capitalism or whatnot. I mean, for me, the guy certainly seems like a jerk. He looks like a total weird. I don't want to judge someone based on their appearance, but he looks like a total weirdo. No, no. In this case, I think it's a good idea. (laughs) He looks like a total weirdo. He seems like a sociopath, but he is operating within the the bounds of the job that he has. Like, he's a CEO for a company that's his sole purpose is to make value for their shareholders. And in so doing, he is doing his job. Now, you can... Ask, I think the more important question is, is that what we want our society to be, like this ultimately profit-seeking uh, a machine? And I mean, that's always been the, the thing about capitalism is that it's an amoral system, for better or worse. I mean, like you, you sacrifice any uh, attempt at morality 
because it's so supremely efficient. I don't know if, you know, as many, as much as people want to complain about the, the faults of it and as exemplified by this asshole, um, I don't know if you want to inject a, a sense of like absolute morality into, you know, your economic thinking just because we don't know what the consequences of that are going to be. Well, but he didn't buy the album in his capacity as CEO. No, it, it was personally as a F, which by the way, I, I mean, if, if, the Wu-Tang knew he was going to buy this. I wish they just would have made it phallic-shaped just to, like, totally prove exactly why he's buying it. Like, I think that would be perfect. That would be perfect. Sub-apocalypse check. Yes. The fact that the Wu-Tang Clan have recorded a single album, and it is, um, it's like 28 or 30 songs, and it's a couple hours. Like, it's not just, you know, your regular schlock. They actually put some work into it. And, but they may, they've only made one copy and I believe the terms of whoever bought it are that they cannot release it commercially. So yeah, for 88 years, there's like an 88 years moratorium. Yeah, which is a very uh, arcane term. Not to the Wu-Tang Clan. Okay. All right. Of course. But is that an artist being falsely iconic? Because no one can judge this album. Yeah, that's very true. I mean... The Wu-Tang Clan, even their mediocre albums, they're such a uh, – and this is kind of the best and worst thing about them in terms of as a as a musical act that they have such hardcore fans that will pull out little bits of genius even in some of their more derivative works. That And, and that's kind of the problem is that because they appeal to such kind of like this hardcore like classic hip-hop – uh, uh, aesthetic that it doesn't translate over into like a giant wider appeal. So it's like they're very popular and they have this iconic status, but they're they're not superstars in like the way that like a Jay Z or something like that would be, uh, or Drake to choose a more modern reference. So you know they they have somewhat of a limited appeal. I would compare them to the Roots in a lot of ways, where they're okay. recognized as being excellent and like hardcore hip hop nerds love them, but. They don't have that giant mass appeal. So to me, this is actually the sign of the apocalypse to this isn't necessarily this guy buying it. It's that the, the Wu-Tang think, OK, we're going to make this amazing album. We're going to sell it for two million dollars. Probably if we put it on streaming, it's going to make less money for us. Like that's I that's, thought it was the, the it was bidding. It was bid up to two million. Right. They didn't set that price, did they? No, no. Yeah. Well, yeah, they they, they allowed uh, the bidding to go up. And I think someone tried to crowdfund a bid for it. And it only got like 17,000 in commitments from fans, which made me really sad. I was hoping fans would be able to get it and then like it would turn into the ultimate uh, like like mixtape or like, you know, like basement yeah. tape like with Dylan where fans pass it around or something like that. But alas, it's owned by a gigantic tool. But I mean, what's weird is like it's not like uh, the Wu-Tang Clan is not putting out music like they just released an album, I think, last year. That's yeah. like, pretty decent, uh, at least according to uh, my completely non-critical take on it. Uh, so it, it's weird that they would do this. This seems like a one-off thing. Like, okay, we're done for forever. This is the last time. Like, it would be like if the Beatles had one album that they gave to just one fan. Like, that's what I feel like they're trying to go for. Mm -hmm. But since they're still going to be a going concern musically, I, it, it's, to me, it's not that big of a deal. Do you think this is a cheap tactic? Like you said, they probably made more money bidding it than if they you know sold it over iTunes or something do you do you think we'll see more of this as fans in similar to the uh, the CEO profit maximizing argument you were just making do you think we're going to see trying to sell it to one really rich person to try to have 
have a fewer sales, more money than democratically release it to the public? Do you think this will catch on? That does kind of go to like an old school patronage system where like a rich lord, you know, hires a composer or something like that. I don't know if it, it would go that extreme where they'd just make one copy because one, I even though one guy literally has it, someone has a uh, like a flash drive with some of these files on it. Like no one, I know they tried to delete all the copies, but I'm, I'm assuming within a year this gets leaked somehow. That's just the way the internet works. I just feel like it's impossible to keep anything like that a secret. I was but, surprised, yeah, that it hasn't leaked already. Sorry, go there, ahead. There, there are, like I said, with the Wu-Tang they're kind of like a prestige brand in a lot of ways where their their name has a lot of value to a very to a to a smaller audience. I mean they still have a big audience, don't get me wrong. They're like they're still a big outfit. But their 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 name means more than their actual sales. So I do think there is I could see a shift for a lot of uh, prestige groups like that. Uh, I'm trying to think of someone else who, like, again, super respected, but not necessarily has a mass audience. I, I mean, I guess, like, the roots would be kind of in the same value, like I said before. And I can maybe see them doing something where maybe they do a series of, like, really small concerts for a bunch of rich people or something like that. Again, do you lose your your uh, credibility as a popular artist? Maybe, but that may be what uh, a lot of uh, musical acts are you know, they're going with the times. So which is the bigger sign of the apocalypse? The Wu-Tang album to a single customer for a lot of money or you 2 forcibly giving their album to everyone when <laughs> nobody wanted it? Um, oh, God, it's a, it's a tough call. Uh, both of them, like it seems like the clouds are gathering and the uh, storm that will wipe out the earth could be caused by either one. I guess I got to go... I got to go with the U2 U thing because... As weird as the Wu Tang Clan thing is, it kind of seems within their wheelhouse. Whereas yeah. I can't, I can't view the U two uh, kind of forcible album delivery as anything but a total cash grab for a band that doesn't need it at all. Yes. So in the U two case, they were paid by Apple. Is that right? Hands. I mean, like the figures that I have seen for that are ridiculous for like exclusive rights to it. Yeah. Okay. So this was by no means an altruistic uh, thing to get their. To get their music to the disenfranchised. I'm sure, like, uh, th there was no altruism in the actual deal. I'm sure knowing uh, uh, Bono's kind of caricature of himself that a lot of that will go to some worthy causes. Sure. Uh, I, I don't mean to impugn his generosity. By all accounts, he's a very uh, uh, very concerned with philanthropy. Uh, so it may be that that money eventually gets funneled into worthy causes, but I don't think there was anything tied in directly into the deal. Okay. All right, Ben, next up on the Apocalypse Check... Unsurprisingly, someone has managed to combine America's love of the Second Amendment and TV with the launch of Gun TV. If you like buying your guns like you're buying an overpriced blender, this may be the channel for you. Are there any further avenues left explored to make buying guns more nonchalant? Or does this actually impede easy access to guns since you have to wait for shipping on top of a background check, Ben? Yeah, I was, uh, I was a little surprised because it doesn't seem like the most efficient way to get guns. You would think... You would get, uh, you know, Amazon Prime shipping with your gun, or you know, you would get your gun with <laughs> drone the purchase delivery of, with your gun, <laughs> drone delivery, or with the purchase of ten Subway sandwiches, you get a free gun, <laughs> or you could take the caricature even further, uh, where uh, you know, if your gun is not delivered in thirty minutes, uh, or you're going to three uh, D print your own gun, which I think actually they are working on. Yeah, there are working models. The I think the main issue is that they only get like so many shots before the plastic uh, becomes uh, oh, dangerous yeah. to use. Uh, but yeah, so so on TV and through the mail uh, seems it seems more about 
people who are afraid the law is going to take their gun away, uh, the, the nutcases who are so pro-guns for their own sake that they just have to have guns through every avenue uh, that is as yet unexplored, not even really concerned about getting them into people's hands, but just making sure no one forgets how ubiquitous guns are. Uh, and it doesn't seem like the most efficient medium, so it's a little surprising to me. It, it almost seems like we're in a month we're going to find out this is like a Nathan for you or John Oliver uh, send up that someone thought yeah. of. Because honestly, like if they're following the model of a QVC or a home shopping network and I was like a hardcore gun enthusiast, like I liked the history of guns. I like collecting them for their aesthetic as well as their uh, uh, human piercing value. Um, I would be upset with this because anytime you see anything sold on either of those two, it's not exactly a mark of quality, right? That's true. You know, I mean, for every uh, 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 really great uh, blender or something like that, you know, you get the uh, the jar opener accessory that costs like $27 or something like that. So it, it seems like there, there it's going to be a way to kind of shell out uh, poor quality guns to the unknowing, which seems even more dangerous than... I don't know, someone who is at least enthusiastic and knowledgeable about uh, firearm ownership, you know, it's it's maybe it's less efficient. But the casual nature by which you can absorb the ability to buy a gun, that to me, I think, is is the more unsettling thing. Yeah. And at first I thought this was a, a, a trick by either the people on the left who are you know when you buy it they can track this is a way to track you mm-hmm. or the people on the right who just have to be guns 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 regardless of anything particular <laughs> um but i think that probably gives both sides a little too much credit this is probably just uh like you said people trying to sell uh cheap crap over the uh, airwaves uh, which is really nothing new the only good thing about it is it does – I mean there's – they're not trying to – it's not like they're trying to use this as a way to get around background checks. Like I know there's the infamous uh, loophole where if you buy it at a gun show, you for whatever reason, magically you don't need a background check. Yeah. I know the background checks are problematic in themselves and this gets into a whole big can of worms over you know uh, uh, gun ownership and, and gun control or whatever. But at least they're – making sure the background checks are happening before any any like guns are shipping out to people but mm-hmm. just just the fact that turning the even the buying of guns into like this weird uh TV entertainment platform uh it just seems bizarre to me because i mean that's what uh, you know like QVC or H, or um uh, the home shopping network is to a lot of people like that's entertainment you know that you can that not necessarily that you're buying things every day but it's like this weird, you know, commercial entertainment that they people enjoy watching. So I, you know, maybe maybe there's an audience for that. I bet there is, which is scary. Yes, uh, I, I, I kind of want to see what the presentation is though, because I mean these these home shopping networks have like these really like fakey, gregarious, you know, personalities that have to they have to hype up the most banal features of any given thing. Yes. Like, oh, wow, it's a chopper that actually chops. Wow, this is fantastic. So I can just imagine, you know, they're they're holding up the Glock or something like that. And you're just like, well, you see, the safety is nice and big and clearly labeled. So, you know, you, you don't want uh, anything to happen. But we have the expanded clip capacity, you know, just yeah. in case your home invaders are really persistent, Jim. Yeah, so, right. <laughs> they're standing there with the giant headphones going, it's whisper quiet. <laughs> 
Oh my god. Now now I'm thinking of all of like the um the gender branding that they're gonna attempt to do. Like, you know, it's like, oh, you know, you have your nice uh you nice bright pink um, you know, twenty two uh, millimeter pistol or twenty mm-hmm. yeah, twenty two caliber pistol. So, you know, it'll be great for the kids. Right. Uh it's good times, Ben. It's good times. Yes. All right, Ben. They don't all end immediately. Are you ready for a little quiz? You had sent me this quiz. Oh, yeah. I don't believe you've taken it yet, have you? Uh, I have not formally taken it, but I can guess. Okay. This is from coming from the BBC, unlike our usual BuzzFeed quiz, and it's how dark is your personality? Now, Ben, would you like to guess? um, Do you have? um, uh, Would you say you lend yourself more to uh, like a Machiavellian uh, type of personality, narcissistic or psychopathic? Um, hopefully not psychopathic, but of course that's something a psychopath would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't believe I have enough self-esteem to be a narcissist, so I'm going to place myself uh, squarely in the Machiavelli camp. I'm hoping you get anti-solipsist. That's uh, that's my hope. There or, are wait, no- where the entire world exists without you. Where the you only exist because of the collective will of the world. That's okay. how I interpret that. All right. Uh, all right, Ben. So question number one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all of these, I believe, are uh, either like strongly disagree to strongly agree. Okay. And I believe neutrality is a option. It's okay. not wise to tell your secrets. Oh, that's true. Strongly agree. Strongly agree. Okay. I like to use clever manipulation to get my way. Strongly agree. <laughs> oh, God. Whatever it takes, you must get the important people on your side. So the Jack Bauer rule. I see. Yeah, I would agree. Okay. Merely agree. Merely agree. I avoid direct conflict with others because they may be useful in the future. Agree. It's a very Frank Underwood-like statement. Yes. It's wise to keep track of information that you can use against people later. Oh, strongly agree. <laughs> My business degree is finally coming in handy. <laughs> All right. You should wait for the right time to get back at people. Oh, strongly agree. <laughs> I I feel like they could try and ob- obscure some of the implications of these questions yes, that's a little true. bit. <laughs> All right. There are things you should hide from other people because they don't need to know. Agree. All right. And question eight, make sure you uh, make sure your plan benefits you, not others. Uh, I go neutral on that one. I'm going to stay neutral on that one. All right. I see a value in some altruism. And most people can be manipulated. Oh, strongly agree. All people can be manipulated. All right, let's see what's happening next. Uh-oh. There's another questioner I did not realize. Oh. Let's, keep it, let's keep it going. All right. All right, people see me as a natural leader. Um, I don't know. I'm going to go neutral on that one because I would not consider myself a leader. You hate being the center of attention. Oh, strongly agree. Many group activities tend to be dull without me. Uh, strongly disagree. No, I am, I'm the death of the party. I know that I am special because everyone keeps telling me so. Ooh, strongly disagree. I am not a beautiful or unique snowflake. I like to get acquainted with important people. Neutral. I have no opinion. I feel embarrassment if someone compliments me. Agree. I agree. You don't strongly agree with that, Ben? I'll, I'll moderately agree with that one. I have been compared to famous people. Never. Strongly disagree. I am an average person. Uh, I would agree. Okay, just agree. I would agree. I'd say it's an average response. And I insist on getting the respect I deserve. 
Um, I'm neutral. Okay. All right. So the, it says a dark triad questionnaire. So I think each each set focuses on a specific thing. I think that first that middle one that we just did was narcissism. I think it okay. was Machiavellianism before that. And this may be the psychopath one. So okay. All right. I look forward to this one. All right. I'd like to get revenge on authorities. Mm, disagree. I avoid dangerous situations. Yeah, agree. Payback needs to be quick and nasty. <laughs> I will merely disagree. I'm all for payback. I'm all for spite, but it doesn't necessarily have to be quick. Well, I'm for the movie payback, and that's not, it's like over two hours, so it's not quick. Okay. Uh, people often say I'm out of control. Uh, disagree. Strongly disagree. I don't believe I'm out of control. You are buttoned down to a T. That's correct. It's true that I can be mean to others. Uh, I will agree. It's usually not on purpose. It's never on purpose, but it uh, occasionally happens without my own, own awareness. People who mess with me always regret it. Oh, strongly agree. I have never gotten into trouble with the law. Uh, that is uh, uh, true. Strongly agree. Strongly agree. I enjoy having sex with people I hardly know. Oh, God. Oh, just strongly disagree. <laughs> I don't know where they've been. <laughs> I'll say anything to get what I want. Uh, neutral. Neutral. All right. We're getting the results here now, Ben. Okay. Finally. Okay. Ooh, you are infrequently vile. <laughs> okay. You, you mostly put others before yourself, though you may find occasions in which your dark side shines. You're very high on uh, Machiavellianism. Uh, okay. Low on narcissism, and right. you are below average on psychopathy. That sounds about right. Uh, all right. Uh, I think we need to share that on Twitter, uh, okay. but I won't. <laughs> all right. So, Ben, uh, shocked by the results? No. In fact, that's exactly where I would expect to be. Once again, we have found a very scientific, ironclad, always accurate quiz. The only thing I would ask is that you somehow incorporate those into your uh, – if, if you ever have any wedding vows, I would like the <laughs> phrase infrequently vile well, uh, to be featured. Well, you would be the best man, so that would be your responsibility to uh, include in your speech. This is true. All right, Ben. Well, that just about brings us to the end of another episode of The Edifice of Our Demise. How are you feeling about it? Um, not very narcissistic, mm-hmm. but somewhat vile. It, but infrequently, I would say. Yeah. All right. Well, if you have any uh, infrequently vile topics that you want to send us, remember, you can do that. Uh, edifice of our demise at gmail.com, Twitter at edifice demise and Facebook.com slash edifice of our demise. And thanks to everyone that listens and sends stuff in. We always appreciate it. Uh, we'll be back next Monday. Put another episode posting up. Uh, we're trying to stay religious on that. We've done a pretty good job. Uh, so uh, until the next time that we meet Ben and I remember everybody. Have a super sparkly day. Unless the apocalypse gets you first. Holler. Holler.